Good morning, church family. Greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And when we experience winter, um, we should pray that our spiritual, our, our spiritual lives will be uh, warm and uh, will, will not freeze with the winter. Amen. Because sometimes we go through the season of winter and uh, it becomes metaphorical for our spiritual lives that are also freezing along. But may we grow deeper and deeper. Our passion for the Lord will grow hotter and hotter as we walk with Him. Amen. I must confess I don't have a title this morning. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 23 to 31. Remember that this is where we um, left off abruptly because the conversation between Jesus and the young man has just finished, but Jesus then reflects on what just happened. So Mark chapter 10, verse 23 to 31 is a response to what just happened with the young uh, rich uh, ruler. Let us take this time and um, read uh, our Bibles. I read from the ESV. This is what we hear. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God and the disciples were amazed at his words but Jesus said to them again children how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him then who can be saved Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but with God, for all things are possible. Peter began to, to, uh, to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first so as I said that there is no title but as you read the passage it becomes clear that Jesus is warning against riches. So we could uh, give this title, Riches I Heed Not. Riches I Heed Not. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for your word. Sometimes we find your word to be uncomfortable as it reaches to the depths of our hearts. When it does, O oh Lord, may we be marked by a spirit of humility, a spirit that trembles at your word. Give us hearts that are receptive and um, wills that are conformed to your will, that your name will be glorified in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, this passage is clearly linked uh, with the one that we studied last week, as we said. Uh, imagine the scene, right? Uh, in verses 17 to 22, a very wealthy man has just turned his back on the Lord Jesus and is walking away. As we said um, last week, we noticed that he thinks that as he's walking away, he has saved his wealth from a madman who wanted him to throw it all away. But what he, desire, what he doesn't realize is that as he walks away, he's walking away from the greatest treasure imaginable. In other words, as 
in the language of C.S. Lewis, he is trading a, a, a trip to the ocean for playing in the mud. In verse 21, Jesus told this man he could be saved. He, he, he was to sell everything. He possessed and he was to give everything away to the poor. This act would give him real treasure in heaven. By giving away all he had, this man would be accomplishing three things. Right? He will be um, getting rid of his real God, a small letter G, uh, which was his wealth. Uh, secondly, he would be helping those around him who were in great financial need. And thirdly, he would be storing up treasure in heaven where it would never be lost, stolen, or ruined. Then Jesus told the man to take up his cross and follow him. This is a call for, the, for, for this young man to make a public, once-for-all commitment to die to self and to live for Jesus. But when this young man hears the words of the Lord Jesus, he turns around and walks away. He chose his wealth over salvation. He chose his way over God's way. He chose eternal death over everlasting life he chose the world over the kingdom of god he chose hell over heaven the disciples were probably excited about the prospect of that fellow joining their number wouldn't it be amazing right <laughs> as he comes and he has this desire how can i be saved and we are all excited they imagined that, that all that he could do with his wealth, power, and position. They, 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 they just couldn't believe it. That uh, Look who is joining our ranks. Brothers and sisters, as, as God does not look at the outside and looks at the heart, we must also be discerning as well. We must be discerning. We, we must not be tickled by people's wealth. We, we must be not tickled by people's position in life. We, we must not be tickled by those things. We must always want to be faithful to God's word. Regardless. A lot of folks in our churches are like that too. When a wealthy, powerful individual comes in, they will be flattered because of what they can contribute financially to the ministry. James warns against that mentality in the church. Remember James chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, when these two men walk in the church and one is wearing uh, you know, a, a gold ring and he just looks the part, you know? He just looks the part. And the other is wearing uh, rags and, uh, and, and, and he looks like, you know, the last time he bought clothes was 20 years ago. And when they come in, they show favor to the one who looks rich and tell the one who is not rich to sit on a mat. Jesus had somewhat a different approach. Jesus was not impressed by the young man's portfolio, by his position in the synagogue, by his prominence in the community. Jesus saw the man as he really was. He saw him as a poor, lost sinner in need of a savior. Jesus offered the man everlasting life, but the man chose eternal damnation and walked away from Jesus. This is not always the case, but mostly uh, people with wealth, wealthy people want to be in control. They throw their money around. They, uh, they, they, they throw their money around to get to positions of power. They consider uh, uh, leadership positions as positions of power. They want to buy uh, themselves to positions of leadership and control. They want to make decisions, even in the local churches, not decisions that are spiritual, but decisions that fit them. They, they want to be in the pocket of the leaders so that the leaders will not speak against their sins. My mentor when I was in seminary, Steve Plodinek, once told a story about a man who 
was part of their church who whose uh, monthly contribution to the church when he arrived at church was a lot of money they, they, it, it was money that they had never seen as a, as a local church before and he kept giving and he kept giving and he kept giving and one day his motives were revealed he wanted to make his way into leadership and they set him down as the elders and they 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 looked at his life and looked at his marriage looked at the way he led his children looked at his uh, testimony to the world and he was found wanting and he fought and he threatened he threatened the fact that he won't give anymore and they looked at their budgets and they looked at how they will suffer as a result of him leaving the church and they sat down together and said we will stand on the word of God perish with your silver brothers and sisters in as much as we pray that God would also bring um, in our midst those who are well-to-do financially. We do not put those as things that control our actions, that control our decision-making. Riches I heed not. When we get to a point where we are controlled by money, we have left our spiritual calling I think for us as pastors we are in a very hard position because oftentimes when uh, people give you you calculate the cost of preaching against sin and probably the sin that they indulge in but let me tell you, when we stand before God, God won't ask us about our church budgets. God won't ask us about our church budgets. When we stand before God, God won't ask us, you know, how much we got paid. That's not the thing that God will ask us. It is whether we were faithful. Now this young man, when he leaves, after he had this conversation with Jesus, thinking that he will be welcomed into the fold because of his position in the community, because of his wealth, um, because of his prominence, when he leaves, Jesus uses this moment to teach his disciples about the danger of riches in this world. He teaches them a few truths that all generations would do well to take heart. Today I want to look into these verses and talk about the truths revealed here. I want you to see first the truth about the riches, second the truth about the redemption, Thirdly, the truth about the rewards. Notice these truths with me as we try to grasp everything the Lord is saying here. First of all, the truth about the riches. We find this in verse 23 and 25. Uh, can the, the mic be uh, balanced? Now, notice in verse 23, there's an announcement that Jesus makes. As the rich young uh, ruler walks away, Jesus looks around at his men and makes an astonishing statement. He, he says that people who possess the riches of the world will have great difficulty entering into God's kingdom. Uh, the, the problem is not with a, peasant's, a person having money. The, the problem is when money has the person. Right? The, the, the rich young ruler was wealthy but he did not possess his riches. His riches possessed him. This is always a recipe for spiritual disaster. 
we considered first uh, timothy chapter 6 verse 10 that says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil no 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 let me say this um in parentheses as parents we desire that our children will um, grow up and take care of themselves right we don't want to have children in their 30s still living in our houses so we prepare them for life we take them through school and we encourage them we encourage them to do well we encourage them to do well for themselves if and i'm sorry to say this if that is the only thing that you're doing with your children then you're failing as a parent if they get straight a's and get into uh, and go on to get into the best universities in the world and and they do well get the best jobs with the corner office and 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 200,000 rands a month i was surprised when 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 there was this threat on twitter um about salaries i was shocked i was saying what are we earning <laughs> people are earning 150,000 250,000 per month i couldn't believe myself I do well central baptist church anyways i'm just joking with you uh, um so if that is if if that is the thing that makes you happy at the end of the day that your child has a corner office and they earn 250,000 rands and they drive the latest car and they live in the nicest house you failed as a parent you prepared them to be bound by this life and when they stand and just imagine how painful it would be if you were a Christian parent and your child is sitting on the other side and you are sitting here in eternity and you are amening God's judgment towards them. Think about that. You are saying amen to God's judgment. Amen to God's wrath being poured on them. the best way to protect our children I'm not saying that they should not have an ambition to do well I'm saying that everything that they do show them that they must do it to the glory of God and the best way to show them is through your life now as he makes this announcement they are astonished look at verse 24a the the amazement that the word astonished that is used in verse 24a that as they were listening to jesus christ the disciples were amazed were astonished the word amazed has the idea of fright right responding with fright with as if you're scared what these men had blew them out of the water these men were from a culture that saw financial prosperity as the blessing of God on a life. The, the Jews had God's promise of prosperity and health. Right? And Jews were taught that riches and prosperity were from the Lord. Most Jews believed and still do believe that health, wealth, and prosperity were the blessing of the Lord on a life. These men had the examples of rich Abraham. Uh, David, uh, Jacob, um, Job, I mean, and, and Solomon. All their religious heroes had been very wealthy men. And it's no wonder they are amazed as Jesus is speaking to them at this moment. Many in our day as well hold the same mindset. Consider the claims of the health and wealth movement. The, 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 uh, this part of the um, the, the offshoot of, a, of, 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 of the charismatic movement, the, the health and wealth movement. Uh, those uh, preachers who tell us that when we are right with God, 
we will have plenty of money and perfect health that everything will go well with us anything less than that a standard proves that you are not right with God in their eyes but you don't have enough faith some people in this room think the same way when you have plenty you say the Lord sure has blessed me when you go through a difficult time you say I wonder what I did to make the Lord punish me when you think about what Jesus said it is really an astonishing statement isn't it now in, in order to explain this to them Jesus makes an analogy an example in verses 24 and 25 Jesus senses their amazement and clarifies what he means and notice what he says um, that how he says the same thing in a very tender and clear manner in verses um, 24 and 25 let's let's look at it 24b but Jesus said to them again children how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. First, he calls his men children. That is a term of endearment. He is tender towards them. He is patient with them. Then he tells them that a people who trust in riches will find salvation impossible. It will be like trying to stuff a camel through the eye of a sewing needle. And that imagery is <laughs> it's mind-bending, isn't it? It's something that is incredibly impossible. Well, Jesus uses a hyperbole here. It says it is an exaggeration used to emphasize truth. Jesus is referring to a literal camel and a literal needle. Let me um, take a step back a bit. Some people have tried to soften the lost words by making them refer to a small opening in the wall of, a, of the city that was for uh, about um, you know a, a, a meter less than a meter uh, um, you know and, 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 and about um, less than uh, 40 centimeters uh, and, and they, they, they talk about this opening on the wall uh, after the gates of the city had been closed for the night the tiny door was the only uh, one um, out of Jerusalem and in Jerusalem uh, until morning. For a camel to enter this uh, uh, gate, it would have to have all its burdens removed. It would have to bow and it would have to wiggle its way through this gate. There, there is no evidence of such a gate. Historically, there is no evidence of such a gate. Uh, especially if you read um, you know, um, recent historians who um, have more data um, in reference to what was going on, there is no um, uh, evidence. Jesus said exactly what he meant. There is no way that we can lighten what he said. A, a person trusts, who trusts in their riches, they will not go to heaven. They don't just wiggle as, as that, they, they, they talk about that camel that wiggles and, 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 you know, until it gets in. They cannot enter. A person who trusts their riches never will enter heaven. That was the, ring, uh, the rich young ruler's problem here. His wealth was his God. His wealth was the focus of his, his faith. His wealth was his reason for living and he refused to let it go. In our world, riches are viewed as a blessing. From God's perspective, riches are a handicap. Why? Often those who possess much of this world's wealth come to trust in that wealth. That they come to believe that their money can buy them anything. They surround themselves with people who will not tell them um, no. Rich people 
the, the, the people that surround rich people are just okaying everything that they do. Everything is okay because this person has money. You know, when, when you get to a point, and I want you to listen to me carefully, when you get to a point your, where your money controls the nature of relationships around you, you are in a wrong position. Where people are afraid of you because of what you have in your pocket. Where, uh, you know, things happen for you because of what you have in your pocket, then you are in the wrong place. Often, rich people come to believe that their money can shield them from any problem, save them from any danger, and provide them with peace, joy, and happiness. What we fail to see is that their money becomes an object of worship. Every waking moment is spent thinking about their wealth. How will I spend it? How will I protect it? How will I increase it? How can this money, what can this money do for me? Uh, people who seek salvation and their resources will be disappointed at the end of life's way. They will find that their money, their fame, their power, and their possession their position uh, cannot provide them with one thing they need above all other things. Salvation for their souls. There is no money that you can ever pay for the price of your soul. The soul belongs to God. We hear today people's this expression that someone has sold their soul to the devil. There's no such thing. The devil has no price enough to buy a soul from an individual. The individual does not have rights to their soul for them to sell it. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. No one who trusts in money, fame, position of power will be saved. The only people who will ever leave this world saved and ready for heaven are those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone. He is the only path to salvation. There is no other name under heaven that can be named than the name of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by him. He is the door. And he is the path to the Father. He is the only mediator between God and man. The, the key word is to trust. Right? There is nothing wrong with having money, possessions, and, and power. There is nothing wrong with having that. In fact, we pray that our church will also be blessed with, with people who have money and people who are wise with their money. Right? It is when these things become the object of our desire and worship that they become our God. It is when we trust the things instead of Jesus that we condemn our souls to hell. Where is your trust today? What are you trusting? Oftentimes, um, to, to gauge um, what you're trusting is to ask yourself, what are you anxious most about when it is absent? What is it that causes you to be more anxious? One of the major problems with wealth is uh, that wealth can cause us to trust the wrong things in life. Here's the problem with riches. Riches, first of all, can become an idol in your life. Anything you ascribe worth sheep um, to which is the meaning of the word worship is your God your God is anything you give your worship to you ascribe worth to riches secondly can tempt people to hold to hold up what they have that there can be a strong temptation and desire to think that uh, to, to think what you have is given to be used to gain even more Thirdly, riches can bring false trust. You, you might think your money can buy you anything, even salvation. It can't. Uh, fourthly, riches can bind us too tightly to earth. Having too much of this world's wealth can cause 
all of our attention and our affections to be focused on to, 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 to be focused in this world to the exclusion of heaven imagine imagine if the health wealth and prosperity gospel was actually true would there be a need for heaven because we are perpetually healthy we are perpetually wealthy we are prospering in everything we have no desire to leave this world behind we have no desire when 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 you struggle with sin and you think about a place where sin is absent when you struggle in this world you think about being with god you have no desire for that you you will ne- we will you will never have a desire for heaven a, a place where God has built for his children a place where God was not ashamed to be called uh, our God because he has prepared a place for us. We, we will never seek that place. I think about Revelation 21 when it talks about uh, the things that will be absent when, when our God is with us and we see him face to face it says there will be no weeping anymore. What does that imply about this world? That we will go through weeping. It says there will be no sickness. It implies that in this world we will experience experience hardship. These hardships, brothers and sisters, they are not sent by the devil. They are God's messengers to prepare us and to make us long for glory. The prosperity gospel will tell you say the devil is a liar. Yes, he's a liar. But they are also liars. Riches often lead to other sins. Um, I'm very... uh, um, I've I've really spent a lot of time with young people, and I'm also young. And, um, you know, especially getting them into leadership uh, young people that are zealous and are probably in high school and, and want to lead, they want to be, be elders when I was in, 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 in pastoring, that's why young people wanted to be elders <laughs> and we just had to make them wait until they are able to afford their, their, their sins of this world and still not indulge in them your commitment to God will be seen when you can afford the sins of this world with wealth and still be committed to God. Still be grounded in the things of God. Riches can destroy the qualities that are necessary for a person to enter heaven childlikeness and teachability can suffer in the place of affluence. Rich people are often surrounded up by people who will not confront them. People who will not, um, you know, call them to order. They are just left to do anything that they want. According to Jesus, the rich are not privileged. They are actually underprivileged. Let us look secondly, uh, verse 26 and 27, we see the truth about the redemption. We saw the truth about the riches. Secondly, we see the truth about the redemption, verse 26 and 27. Look at it in verse 26. We see the men and their anxiety. The men and their anxiety. Verse 26, and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? This man had what Jesus had to say and they understood it perfect. If you are rich in this world's goods and you put your faith in the things you have, you will not be saved and you will not go to hell. They understood it perfectly. When they hear this, they are astonished out of measure. This means they are blown out of their minds. They hear these words and they just stand there with their mouth hanging open and, and with their chins uh, lying on their chest. They are dumbfounded by what they have heard Jesus say. Their response is to ask, who then can be saved? 
they've considered the situation and they realize that in a sense we are all rich we all have possessions of to some degree and we all have access to some things to some level they understood that anybody who became caught up in looking at what this they possess rather than relying on the Lord is in simple faith that they hear Jesus and it seems to them that they that, that he has forever slammed the door of salvation to everyone who possesses anything. Now, now let me say this uh, in parentheses again. Because at the moment we're looking at, <laughs> it, it can be like this, that those who don't have money, looking at the people who have money and say, yeah, you're in trouble. The poor can also bar themselves from heaven by trusting in the riches that they are pursuing. All their lives are, are focused on running after riches. I want to make it in life. I want to get this back. I want to, uh, you know, I want to. I want to do this. I want to do this. We're not saying that 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 growing and, and doing that is wrong. But if that is the focus of your life, you are also in trouble because where is your trust? Your trust in the future is in the future of getting what you are looking at other people having. And you make that the goal of your life. Look at verse 27. We see Jesus and his answer. Jesus lets them know that there is hope. He tells them that men find it impossible to break the hold of their things, but that God in his power is well able to set them free. If that rich young ruler would have obeyed the clear call of the Lord Jesus, God would have given him grace to relinquish his hold on his wealth. The, 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 the Lord would have saved his soul and blessed him with heavenly and spiritual riches beyond his wildest dreams. We have the same promise even today. There's no, no way that you and I can turn our attention from this world without the Lord's help. Uh, that, that help comes from, uh, uh, with his call to come to Jesus. When he reaches out to a lost sinner, the Lord calls that person to come to him. When that person responds, God gives them the faith they need to believe on Jesus alone for their soul's salvation. God is able to help anyone break the grip of whatever it may be that holds them captive. He can break the grip of riches. He can break the grip of drugs and alcohol. He can break the grip of addiction to pornography. He can break the grip of uh, addiction to sexual promiscuity. He can break the grip of physical addiction. If you will come to Jesus, you will find that he has the power to set you free. He can bring redemption to anyone, regardless of who they are, how they have lived, or what they have done. He's able to do what no man can do for himself, save a soul. He, here's how it works. The lost person needs to know his condition before God, right? We are sinners, and we are all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3 verse 23, and it's impossible to save yourself because the, the, the lost are dead in sin again the Lord comes to the lost sinner, he shows the lost sinner their condition and points them to Jesus as the sole solution for the problem of sin the, the sinner turns to Jesus by faith and God saves them by his grace God is able to accomplish the impossible in any life he touches. So think about success stories in the Bible. Uh, people like Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul and served the Lord. Simon Peter, the great fisherman who served the Lord and became fishers of men. Think about yourself, where your life was transformed and turned around. Thirdly, and um, lastly, we see the truth about the rewards. This is verse 28 and to verse 31. Uh, look at verse 28. There's a consuming worry here. There's a worry that they have. When Peter hears this, he speaks up. He reminds Jesus what they walked away from, and that they walked away from everything to follow him. These men have turned loose of all their earthly responsibilities to follow Jesus. They had given up money, homes, families, businesses, etc. All because Jesus had asked them to. In Matthew's account of these events, he tells 
uh, as that Peter says, see what we have left. Uh, see, we have left everything and followed you. What will we have? In other words, Peter is saying to the Lord, Lord, you are saying that if a man gives up his money and follows you, he will have everlasting life. We have given up everything to follow you. What is our reward? He's asking, in other words, what's in it for us? A lot of people have this same attitude about serving the Lord. They see the wicked prosper in the world and the righteous suffer and they wonder what good it is it does for a person to follow Jesus. Jesus is about to tell us that those who follow him have a definite advantage both here and in the hereafter. You might feel like you have been getting the short end of the stick. Listen on. The Lord has a word of encouragement for everyone who has ever chosen Jesus over the wealth and the things of this world. Verse 29 to 30, we see a calming word from the Lord. Jesus responds by letting Peter know that God sees, records, and rewards every sacrifice that is, from, that is made for him. He tells them that they have walked away from, from, from uh, uh, what they have walked away might seem like a lot for them, but God has far more in their future than they have left behind in their past. They left one house. God knows how to open a hundred doors. They left one family. God made them a part of a family that encompasses the world. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters, that when you become a Christian, you are part of a community, a family. They have made, uh, they have become separated from an earthly brother, but God has given them more brothers in Christ than they can imagine. But those who willingly turn loose of this world to follow Jesus will discover that God has far more in store for them than the sum total of all that they have left behind. When Jesus speaks of a hundredfold, I, I need us to understand that Jesus is not speaking like some preacher on TBN. The best way to watch TBN is to watch it with your TV off. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. He simply means that it is more than you can imagine when he says a hundredfold. He's not saying that if you give one rent, he will give you 100 rent in return. He might, but he might give you 1,000 as well. He's simply telling us that he is far more for us than anything that could ever, we, we could ever give up following him. To put it simply, you will never, um, um, you will never outgive God. I don't know how to put it, but I think that's a, a better way of putting it. You will never outgive God, right? Now, now, God doesn't always uh, pay off on the 25th of every month, but he always pays off and he will always pay well. Being a Christian might not be the best investment that you make in the, in the sense that you will have uh, money uh, because you're a Christian, but I'm telling you, the eternal rewards are out of this world, literally. If you serve Jesus, he will see to it that you are blessed beyond your wildest dreams. He, he also lets us know that this hundredfold will come to us with persecutions. There will be a price to pay for following Jesus. Not everyone will be excited to see you serving the Lord. Difficulties and trials will come because of your commitment to the Lord. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecutions. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. But God will bless you in spite of any trials you might face along the way. Then Jesus ices the cake here. He tells us that those who turn loose of this world to follow him will be blessed in this life, but they will also receive eternal life. So Jesus tells us not to worry about what this world has to offer. It simply cannot compare to what the Lord has for those who trust him. Money can buy a lot of things, but there are some things that it cannot buy. Let me just give you a catalog of those, right? Money can buy you a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy books, but not brains. Money can buy food, but not an appetite. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy medicine, but not health. Money can buy amusement, but not happiness. Money can buy finery, 
but not beauty money can buy a crucifix but not a savior do you have what matters the most do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the end it will not matter how much money you have accumulated or what you, you leave behind all that will matter is Jesus if you have him you are saved and you will go to heaven if you do not have him you are lost and you will go to hell now verse 31 as we conclude has a clear warning here those who are first in the world's accounting will finish last in the race to heaven we see the celebrities and and the wealthy people and there is a tendency for us to think that they are somebodies in god's eyes it is not riches that make a person somebody special it is faith in jesus christ there are billionaires and millionaires who do not even who do not even make a blip on god's radar but there are poor faithful saints of god who have his attention all the time one day when we get home all those who reached for first place here will not even cross the finish line there at the same time those who faithfully lived for the lord here will be rewarded there i once saw a bumper sticker that said he that has the most toys wins that's not even close to the truth here is the truth he that has jesus wins and he does not have jesus he who does not have jesus has nothing and even though he may have everything in this world he lacks the most important thing so what can we take away from this message there are several things that um, to think about as we close first of all i would like to sincerely ask you and i'm not asking about are you faithfully coming to church i'm not asking about are you faithfully giving all those things are good but i'm asking are you truly saved what do you trust to take you to heaven if you were to stand before jesus christ on that last day and he stand before him and he says why should i let you into heaven let me tell you brothers and sisters that if you are going to start the answer by saying because i you are already in trouble it is because jesus has saved me has given his life has died in my stead and taken the wrath of god he has clothed me in a righteousness i do not have in myself and has given me his life it is no longer i that lives but christ lives in me secondly what is your attitude towards money I'm looking forward to the Bible study that is uh, we're starting this coming Thursday. Uh, Brother Henry will be leading us through that um, six-week series of um, of on giving. Oh, what is your attitude on money? Oh, what? what how, how do you think when it comes to issues of money? Do you love it? Do you want to hang on to it? are you doing all you can to increase what you have and add more to it or do you see money as a tool to be used in your service to the lord that's what money is the lord gives us what he does so that we might use everything he gives us for his glory forget about just giving 10 percent to the lord which is good instead when you think about money ask god what he would he would have you do with 100% of your money how your heart can wisely use that money 100% of it I don't say, I'm not saying bring, it to, bring 100% to the church I'm saying your attitude towards money must be not mine but his and use it for his glory God's plan for our wealth is twofold. First, divest, let go of what you have. Second, invest, sow into God's kingdom. <laughs> That's a good plan, isn't it? <laughs> Some people fixate on money. If that is true of you, then money is your idol in your life. 
If your attitude towards money needs work, come to Jesus and have him straighten it out. Thirdly and lastly, what have you given up to follow Jesus? Has your faith ever cost you anything? Does it cost you your comfort, your convenience, your time, your schedule? What does it cost you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you putting the Lord Jesus Christ as a footnote in your life? You do everything and you give him the last. You give him the crumbs of your life. The rest you give them to your boss at work. You give them to your pleasures. You give them to your hobbies. You give them to your conveniences, your comforts. And the Lord gets the crumbs of your life. What are you giving the Lord? Does your faith cost you anything, brothers and sisters? Hudson Taylor was a missionary, giving up all his life, went to become a missionary in a foreign country. When he was asked, I know it's not Hudson Taylor, it's actually City Start. I'm sorry. And he said, There's no sacrifice too great that I can make for Jesus if He is God and He has died for me. Is that your attitude in life? Let us pray. Indeed, Lord, our desire is to be at a point where we can truly sing the riches I hid not no man's empty praise may we focus on you may we run this race for you may we never pride ourselves in our outward works but in what Jesus Christ has done in our lives for the sake of your name and your kingdom we pray Amen.